If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. If you have the same vision as International Horse College, which is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses, and the horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people, then have a look at their website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Today's guest is Pat Cleveland, and she's got a science background with horses. She's going to talk about her project, which is the Balanced Horse Project, and she's an owner-operator, trainer, riding instructor, consultant, and also a horse translator. So I'm going to talk to her a little bit about that. But before we go, um, just introduce you. How are you today, Pat? Oh, I'm having a marvellous day. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> good. Very good to hear it. Now, Pat, we're going to start with a favourite quote, and I know you've got one for us. Would you like to go ahead? Yes. Um Throughout my life, balance has been very important. I'm sure anybody who rides horses understands that. Um, and coming from a background in understanding science or using science to validate um, some of my horse experiences, my favorite quote is, for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Mm -hmm. So this takes us into Isaac Newton's third law of motion, which you find in physics. All right. Now, how does that relate to horses? Just give us a little bit of a, uh, I think I get it, but just for anyone who doesn't, just explain that a little bit more. Well, um, a simple example would be if you were asking a horse to go forward into the horse trailer and the horse says, hmm, I don't think so. And you give a tug on the lead shank and the horse goes backwards. He gives you resistance. So you ask the horse to go forward, so you created the action, and the horse goes into resistance when you applied force, and so you get the opposite reaction of resistance. Mm -hmm. So we have two forces working against each other, and uh, it creates this dynamics that I've been tr struggling to understand. Because you've got a very unique way, you know. I mean, I talk to a lot of people, and the story's similar. You know, my parents didn't have horses. I came from a horse background. I went to the riding school down the road. You know, it's sort of similar, but you've got a particular one and someone who's inspired you, but then you went on and you had an honour of a riding lesson with this particular person. So would you like to speak a little bit about that? Sure. Oh, I um, think that life is full of... Um, fateful opportunities. I was raised in Ontario, Canada, which is not exactly the horse capital of the world uh, during the 1950s. And as a child, I always, you know, loved horses, but it was rather, you know, logging horses and trotting horses. And I always watched TV at night and I saw the movie, The Miracle of the White Stallion, which told the story of Colonel Podolsky and General Patton during the Second World War and how they moved the Lipizzaner breeding herds um, out of the reach of the Russian army. And then uh, a couple of years later, 
when I was about 12 years old, I was able to go to Europe with my parents and they knew I loved horses very much. So they took me to the Spanish riding school and we were out in the back um, and I was able to observe a very elegant uh, gentleman coming out to greet the riders who were going into the performance. Um, I believe it was some of these riders were graduating and moving on. So it was a big moment, and I, I got to watch this leader, <laughs> and he was so, so thorough and kind with, with the people and the horses. He really loved the horses, mm-hmm. and uh, it inspired me to watch them from the balcony. Um, I'd never seen horses work in, in collection and, and do all these amazing movements. Um, and then I went home and I daydreamed about riding a horse that would be in self-carriage. It was a big thing. And then later on, we had a lady move into our area. Her family had, he, her father had been a French diplomat after the Second World War and uh, was associated with the Cadonois uh, in France. And uh, we had all kinds of people come to visit her, her riding facility. I was a student with her for seven years. And during this time, when I was about 15 years old, um, there was a very elegant man standing in the shade of a tree after lunch, watching me warm up an eventing horse who was giving me a bit of a challenge. And he stepped out and he very kindly offered some insights. And one of the things that stuck with me was riding is not a physical thing. It is the connection between the heart of the horse and the heart of the rider. And it was the first time I ever had somebody show me how to be soft and not outside making it happen, but just feeling the connection between me and the horse. And Colonel Podowski was the gentleman who stepped out um, and helped helped me. So, yes. And if I'd never met him and had never had that um, moment of inspiration as a writer, it would never have led to the conversation that I can offer people today. Wow. Wow. When you, um, you know, because you'd said about having a lesson and then you'd said about going to the writing school, I thought, oh, maybe, you know, watching the lesson. But, yeah, having that actual lesson, that's brilliant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I love this, that riding is a connection between the heart of the horse and the heart of the rider. I think that would be a good saying. Yes. Yes, favourite quote. Yep, yep. Okay, well, I'll, I'll put that on next time. <laughs> I just, I come I come from a different concept of riding. Um, I, I really enjoy the classical concept of unity and balance between the rider and the horse. Mm. Um, but I've taken it a little bit further and looked into the heart, mind, consciousness, um, intuitive connection that when you are, say, riding a dressage test, you just get very still and there's that unity between you and the horse. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's the important part of horsemanship for me. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Now, we've talked about that, but, but your project Balanced Horse, tell us about that. Tell us about 
I know that that's sort of how it started with your lesson from the elegant man under the tree, but but tell us a little bit more because you said you've got a science background plus you had these insights when you were quite young. Yeah, just tell us a little bit more about how you got started with this. Well, the Ballast Horse Project um, was an assimilation of experiences and um, the need to be able to validate those experiences. And then how could I take them and make them consistent, then simplify them so that I could bring them into the public's awareness so that we could apply new concepts in our training approaches so we have sustainable horses using natural resources. Mm -hmm. So the Balanced Horse Project happened after I had studied uh, about 12 different holistic therapies and I had been riding uh, three-day event horses for a very long time enjoying it, but I found that I could never truly have a horse sustain self-carriage throughout a performance without my intervention. And then I would always have to put shoes on them. And, and, and the harder we went out and rode, we started to see the horse go into states of decline. And being like most horse trainers, I'm trying to figure out how to do my job better and economically um, make it worth, worth the effort. So I looked into the primary cause of what is causing my training problem. And it led into understanding that we have not really gone to the primary source of lameness and behavior resistance in horses. And I used a donated herd of 21 training racks. I took and stripped their shoes off. I put them out in a 52-acre range where they received no human intervention, no vaccine. Uh, no shoeing. We did do their teeth. And I observed how their bodies started to adapt when the stress was taken off from all the kindnesses that we try to provide them. And from that experience, I started to apply integrated holistic therapies uh, like massage or doing, um, you know, barefoot trims, Um, essential oils, sound, uh, microfrequencies, uh, electric, small electrical frequency currents going through damaged tissue. So I was doing a lot of self-education as to which holistic therapies actually provided a permanent solution to my training problems. And I discovered that none of them do. And that's a bit of a shock. Yes. Because I want a permanent long term. Where's the fix? So I started on a journey that most people have a hard time understanding, but I am um, a high functioning intuitive empath. Uh, that was acknowledged in 2001 at the International Symposium for the Alliance of Therapists and Healers. Um, so here I am with this sensations, these sensations I get. So I basically started, and it sounds silly, but I will say it, I asked the horses to start showing me if they had one problem that I could fix that would solve all their other problems, where would I start to look? 
And the first horse I asked was my own three-day horse, um, Trooper. He was not an amateur horse at all. He was he was quite a handful. And he started taking his chin and slapping the center of his chest. Mm-hmm. And then he went over and bent to the left side and touched his girth line. And I thought, well, that was an odd reaction. So I wrote it down. And over the course of the next month, I asked every horse that was in the project um, the same way. And I got basically the same responses. And I started looking at this as a pattern and I took pictures of the confirmation. And from there, I saw this constant twisting. You could see it in the front front end of the horse, um, the rotations in the feet, the legs, up into the shoulders, then across the back, through the pelvis. And I thought, wow, that's pretty interesting. And then one day I was watching my husband walk down the lane with leading a horse to the field and taking our blue healer. And I went, oh my gosh, all three have the same structural pattern. Now, what could be the common denominator? Because a dog is different from a human and a human is different from a horse. Sure. And it turned out to be birth process, the trauma that our bodies are exposed to during the traveling through the birth. And from that, I started looking at not Western science, but um, science coming out of China and science coming out of Russia, because they are working in what we would call resonant physics. So how sound and light magnetic field, uh, electrical frequencies are actually responsible for turning on different systems of the body. And I started looking at that and I came up with a way to inspire the body to unwind the impact of its birth trauma spontaneously, only using the organic resources that surround us in our environment. And that is a huge statement for people to digest. Well, but I started uh, yeah, this yeah. process. Uh-huh. I started this process and formally turned it into a private research project that has been running for over 20 years, consistently producing positive results that I have documented using photography. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. High-functioning intuitive impact. Tell us a little bit about that, you know, because I think that puts a bit of um, foundation to what you just said. Um, Because you said you'd been diagnosed with high-functioning intuitive impact. Is that? No, I was identified or recognized at a symposium. Yes, okay, Um, okay, yep. But just tell us what that means, yeah. Um. You know how I'm. I'm hoping you know <laughs> people understand. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever walked into a room and had the hair on the back of your neck yes. stand up? Yes. Okay. So that is your body's energy field, mm-hmm. which everybody has one. It's usually electromagnetic field. We'll talk about yep. um, that energy field has intersected with another stream of energy, and it's making your body aware. Mm -hmm. That's an awareness. That's a non 
material awareness. Yep. So for me, I'm very, very sensitive. Um, <laughs> um, let's put it this way. I can walk past horses that have um, active herpes um, and it feels like ants are crawling underneath my skin. Mm-hmm. Um, I can be around a horse that has EPM. Um, that feels like broken glass um, mm-hmm. under my skin. Now, these are like very extreme expressions. Um, people, a lot of people get intuitive um, physical feelings, like that gut feeling that says, I don't think I should get on this horse today. It's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Or a premonition of um, my friend is going to call. Yes. So these are non these are non physical interactions, which in the Western concept of science is really not acceptable to discuss. But in the new sciences that are coming out in um, let's say in the quantum quantum physics, yep. getting yep. into new new sciences that yes. are connecting the non physical with the physical findings of the Western empirical science, if we put those two worlds together, it opens up this door of potential. And so I am ha- I'm the type of person, I wouldn't say I'm an animal communicator, but I get um, impressions from animals. I, <laughs> I am fun to work with because I can have a conversation, an oral conversation with a person well, meanwhile, I'm getting these impressions, um, sometimes actually uh, running conversations or visual pictures that will flash through my mind that are literally coming from the horse. Mm-hmm. And so I'm having a three-way conversation. Um, the telepathic part of the human-horse interaction has actually been proven and documented through Heart Math Institute with the help of the Satori Institute. And they have been proven to show or been able to show that the horse has a very strong connection with people who filter information through the right hemisphere of the brain. So creative people, people who are left-handed, have a a higher uh, rate of intuitive um, and being able to be telepathically inspired by the horse. So these Mm -hmm. things are in science, but they're not in the normal realm of our horse science. And these are the things that I would like to bring to people's awareness so that we could add this, yes, to how we are training horses. Wouldn't it be awesome if you could have an understanding of the horse's language, whether it's nonverbal or it's a gesture, um, so that you could translate what he's trying to point out to you and get you lead you towards fixing so that we can avoid causing the pattern of injury or resistance that we are currently experiencing with our animals. That's where I'd like to go. I like the way that you've explained that. You know, you've said this isn't some woo-woo that I'm just using because, you know, it's a good story. You've said this science, you know, this has been based on science. You know, I think back that we don't know everything. 
you know, there was once upon a time that they thought the world was flat and if we sailed too far, we'd go over the edge. And the history of quantum science, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, was like 1877 when it started. You know, like it's it's a fairly new science. It's it's um, and it's still not researched enough. You know, I think there's still there's not a lot, and and I just think we don't know what we don't know. So you saying this and um, giving us a bit of background, just. Yeah, I suppose, you know, I keep thinking we've got to have our minds open. We've got to keep thinking that maybe we don't know it all. So, um, yeah, I'd like you to keep going. I, I sort of had to interrupt you there with the high-functioning intuitive impact. Um, but, yeah, if you can keep going on, and sorry to interrupt you there, I just want to make sure that we've sure. got the um, the explanation behind it. Okay. Well, I think that... Everything that we have in science today um, is actually not new. Um, and it, I can trace, I've done, <laughs> to, to bring this conversation into being a very solid um, subject, I've done a lot of research. And one of the things coming from this love of horses and symmetry and balance and this um, soul to soul or spirit to spirit connection as a rider um, actually caused me to go back and look and read the original riding masters of both the Spanish school and the French schools. And I realized okay, yes. when I cross-referenced cross it that um, that period of time in history was very uh, dangerous for people who would be like me who are energetically sensitive um, and are uh, very yes. aware of. So you're talking about the time of the Inquisitions where the Catholic Church would come and take people who were broad-minded or intellectual mm -hmm. thinkers. And so you had a philosopher, his name was René, de, René Descartes, and mm -hmm. he he was the guy that said, I think, therefore I am. Um, well, he... He did us a great service um, by preserving um, our scientists. He, he declared that at some point that we would think of the body as if it was a machine, which was made by the hands of God. And it's, in, it's in, incompatibly better than a machine invented by a man. And in, through his conversations, he was separating the idea of the energetic connection or the spiritual connection of the sentient horse and the sentient man because mm -hmm. the, the tasking power of the belief system basically said that animals were not sentient and that they have no spirit. And for the pagan people, not like the devil worshippers, but pagan actually means the people that had the knowledge of the land, okay? For these people who were your nat natural healers, um, your original horsemen that came off the steps of Russia, all of these people had this intuitive connection. And now we had to separate that connection because it was called heresy. So from okay. that point, we started started the empirical school of science mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and energy and consciousness 
were stripped away and we were left to deal with the material material fact. And so that's where the writings of your classical writing masters introduce the word connection Mm -hmm. and feel because those words have a hidden meaning to the riders who understood the connection between the rider and the horse. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I believe that's what Colonel Podowski was saying to me when it's the connection between the heart of the horse and the heart of the rider. Mm -hmm. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. So what I'm saying now, what I'm saying now is in our scientific adventure, we're rediscovering what our ancestors as horse people knew thousands of years ago. And I think that's amazing that a truth can live that long without being recognized. Yes. Yes. Okay. And I think that, you know, the history and the knowledge and everything that you have, I think it's pretty exciting, really, you know, when you think about it. And it's not just a, a quick research project that you're doing. It's, um, you know, it's 20 years of projects and, and you're really using and you, you yourself have got a unique gift, which makes it better, better for the horse, better for the research, better for the everything else associated with it. But, um, yeah, just tell us a little bit more for people who would like to get a connection with their horse because, you know, everyone wants a connection with their horse. What would you say would help them, you know, because even though they may not have the high-functioning intuitive impact that you had, and I'm not even sure if I use that term, what could you tell them? Because, you know, we are about education. What can you tell people listening that they could possibly do with their horse, um, the time that they're spending with their horse, to just get a little bit more knowledge about how to connect or communicate with their horse better? Well, this sounds like a weekend seminar. Uh, (laughs) um, The first thing I would say is that I think most people are dehydrated. And um, drinking water, Mm -hmm. um, if you have uh, minerals that you would take, um, I would introduce that to my body. If you're trying to um, expand the ability for conductive interaction, the energy around you, the energy field around you is conducting and transmitting energy all the time. So if you think of yourself like um, a cell phone, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, to hold the charge in the battery, which your body is a battery, um, you need to have uh, water and a good uh, quality minerals so that your energy field can actually harmonize or find a way to match the vibration or the energy field of the horse. So that was one thing I could tell you to do for yourself. Um, The second thing we need to be aware of is that the field of energy that's produced by the horse is 
radiates um, at the strongest point at the chest. Um, so the front quarters of the horse is like this huge, uh, if you think of a, um, a lighthouse with the, the beams of light radiating outward. Yep. Well, that's the horse's heart field. That field of energy radiates out 83 feet. Wow. Okay. So wow. when you are coming to your horse, that's his sensory, that's where horses sense instinctively what's coming towards them, what mood you're in emotionally today, what is your intention? So what I've learned with horses is that I have no emotion. I have no agenda. I empty my emotions and thoughts. I just pretend I'm a tree and I grow roots and all the stress that I have experienced, say if I, I don't know, if I had a job where I went to an office all day um, and I came to the barn with that stress, well, that the noise in my brain, all that chatter of all the things I should do and how do I do it perfectly, okay, well, get rid of it mm -hmm. because it stops you from hearing or sensing or feeling your horse. And I practice just letting go of everything. Um, somebody who does a really amazing online for free meditation, I'll give you his name. It's Joe Dispenza. It's D-I-S-P-E-E-N-Z or Z-A. Okay, so it's D-I-S-P-E-N-Z-A. And you can go on uh, the internet and he has meditations that you can do at home. Mm -hmm. And then just take those concepts with you and just learn to be still inside. Your horse will show you um, a kindness. If you let your hand come out, palm up, I usually do it with my left hand, horses will rest or touch your hand now most people think oh it's because i feed him treats but what if he's touching your hand to acknowledge you yes that's what i find in the physical language of horses that they touch you so when i'm working with a horse and i want to ask permission to do something i put that picture in my mind and it may sound silly but i will Think about what I want to do with the horse, and then I will put my hand out, mm -hmm. and the horse will agree or volunteer. He will press his muzzle into my hand. That's an acknowledgement of, yes, I got your pictures. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so if you practice that with your horse, think about what you want to do. Something simple, like, I'd like to clean your feet and put, put your hand out and see if that horse interacts with you. And keep asking mentally, and eventually this connection between you and your horse will, will be clarified and validated. And that, that is something that horses become totally inspired with, because all of a sudden the deaf human, the deaf human can hear me. Oh my gosh, what do I tell him? 
<laughs> so this starts a different level of of writing and interaction. And these are the things that I've been experiencing all of my writing career. I just needed to have the proof of this woo-woo stuff so that I could bring it back to people and say, hey, this is an amazing tool that we could be introducing. And from this, we can grow into something beyond what we are today. Well, that's pretty inspiring. We obviously need to get you back to talk in a lot more depth about your project, about what you're doing, because I think, you know, as you keep going back and it's science-based, it's it's something that, you know, you are a scientist, this is the research, this is a very big, long project for you, and I, I think that we can learn a lot from you and just, again, you know, just being open-minded, open-minded to learn as much as we can about these beautiful animals that we share our lives with. Well, it's a joy and it's a pleasure to have the opportunity to share this with people. Mm. Um, it's it's taken a long time to pull this together so that it actually it makes sense. It's it's a process that I have repeated. Um, I actually had a horse go to the Australian Olympics that was uh, one of our guinea pigs in the performance trials. Oh wow! Um, his Which name was High Park. I um, Julie Burns, uh, Julie Burns Black, mm-hmm. she rode High Park Corner. Um, that horse, I worked on him before he made the selection list. He was not really supposed to make the selection committee. Um, he did. Um, and to tell a story out of school, she snuck me in the barn the night before he went on the plane mm-hmm. and I moved his energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He placed ninth. I think he placed ninth in okay. the independent rides. Okay. Dressage or eventing, show jumping? Uh, that was three day. Okay. Okay. It was the whole phase. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So she. So that was one of those, okay, well, maybe I'm just making it up. And she asked me to help her with this horse. And, and nobody ever expected her to advance to be even considered. Wow. So these are things that are sitting here in Dothan, Alabama, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and waiting for the world to to knock on our door and say, please, can we learn more? And I'd be happy to help. I don't particularly remember her, but my job at the Olympics, um, I was there as a volunteer, I was varied, you know, because one of the times when the cross-country was on, I was in a tent um, you know, judge, judge. Uh, but we had the tent with a media camera in it. So we didn't just see all our horses go up the jump. We could follow them around the course. So it was like, you know, better than being on the course itself. And then um, on oh yeah, yeah on, on the dressage day, this is the, um, you know, the straight dressage, my job was to sit behind the girls that were opening and closing the gate. So I didn't have to get up and open and close the gate for all the horses to go in and out of the hey. arena. I sat behind them. So oh, I, you, you know, had it made. <laughs> oh, I had some great jobs there. It was really, really good. Yeah, yeah. And, and if anyone ever gets a chance to um, to volunteer at the Olympics within their country, it's um, pretty special, pretty special if uh, you could do that. Yep. Oh, yes. Right. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. 
Well, look, Pat, before we go, because I, I, you know, I mean, what you're going to talk about, we could talk for hours, I'm sure, absolutely hours, but, you know, we've got um, a certain time slot that we need to fit into. We'd love to get you back. We'd love to talk to you some more. What are you looking forward to at the moment? You know, is it more of the same or have you got anything planned? Um, well, we we travel out um, when there's enough people in certain areas. Mm-hmm. Um, I will be going to uh, the west coast of the United States in the late part of January. Um, I have a group of cowboys and they have an absolute blast um, because they go, that horse's leg was rotated. Now look at it. It's straight. That took five minutes. How's that happen? You know, so it's challenging their thinking. And then in June, I know I'm out in Newfoundland um, to work with horses out there. Um, I travel in my vehicle across the United States, I fly uh, into Canada, um, and we've been very small in our approach because I wanted to do this from a grassroots position of educating the people who are the primary caregivers um, and owners rather than trying to make this a huge commercial venture. Mm-hmm. So it's one person at a time, one group at a time, and um, bringing people together. So if anybody's interested in workshops or hosting us to come in and do a tour through a region, um, please give us uh, consideration. Um, we, I did do a presentation at the uh, Can-Am um, Horse Expo in Toronto, Ontario, um, and I have been a guest speaker uh, for several venues um, relating to Kentucky, well, I shouldn't say Kentucky Horse Park, it was the women's horse, professional horse industry um, uh, conferences. So I just have a lot to say. It's not boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, for right now, I'm staying at home. Our farm was hit by Hurricane Michael that went oh, through okay. um, yep. the southern southern U.S. So we're trying to put things together again. Okay. okay. All right. Well, let's hope you uh, recover from Hurricane Michael, uh, you know, okay. And um, just thinking about contact details, Pat, how can people contact you? Okay. I have a very active page on Facebook. It's the Balanced Horse Project. Um, you can see comparisons. I don't do demonstrations um, on media, social media, because I have people try to imitate it. And unless you are educated in what I do, I don't want people making mistakes to discredit the work. But we have comparisons. Okay. Uh, you can message me there. I have my, my email is bhp. Cleveland, like C L E V E A, sorry, C L E V E L A N D, like Cleveland, Ohio. And that's a Gmail address. So it's B H P Cleveland at Gmail. And if you try one or the other, you will find me anywhere in the world. Okay. And that'll be gmail.com. But um, the other thing is, yes. too, that'll be on your site at horsechats.com slash Pat Cleveland or else just go to horsechats.com 
search for Pat or search for Cleveland and you'll find those details and they'll be at the bottom of Pat's page. Pat, great to talk to you today. Um, Look forward to catching up with you again sometime soon. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.